So this morning we uh, conclude the series that we've been doing over a few weeks now, looking at the distinctives of Gateway Church, the things that we think uh, make us uh, the church that we are. And this morning uh, is the, the last in the series. The focus is on transformation, joining with God as He transforms our community, our nation, and our world. Don't know how that comes across to you. To me, that sounds like a fairly big, <laughs> a big claim. Um, so let me make it clear that we, we recognize we are a very small part of, of a, the very big picture of what God is doing in the world. Uh, nonetheless, we want to join with Him in playing whatever part He has given us to play. We don't believe that the role of the church is just to kind of batten down the hatches and hope to survive until Jesus returns. We believe that we are called to be agents of his kingdom, uh, praying your kingdom come and bringing hope and healing to this world in the kind of ways that we've been talking about with Ben already this morning. And so we aim to do this, first of all, through the ministries that we carry out together as a church, the many things that are, that are going on week by week, as well as working in partnership with national and international ministries like CAP. Are we the only church that bangs a gong, or is that happening all over the country, week by week, and, and, and in other countries as well? But, but also, and this is really important, we, we want to do this as God works through each of us in the places of, of work and among our family and our friends. Hasn't it been just really great hearing from different people each week? about what it looks like for them to serve as a gateway for God's kingdom in the, just the many different settings that, that God has placed us. You know, I think I'm convinced that more than most of us realize we are serving as salt and light in our workplaces and among our circle of family and friends. Hopefully this is encouraging us as we do this week by week. So becoming a transformed and the transforming church family is in many ways the outcome of the other distinctives that we have been looking at over the last several weeks. So just to recap, they are, first of all, keeping Jesus at the center and the forefront of our lives, growing in our relationship with Him, uh, eagerly pursuing the presence of the Spirit and everything that we do, being a, a welcoming family where everyone can belong and where it's safe to be real with one another, serving others with the, the same kindness that God has shown us and continues to show to us, and, and of course, knowing that we are living for something bigger than ourselves. We are, we are sent by God. We are representing his kingdom in our world, and he is with us as we go. So I think that as we are giving ourselves to these priorities, we ourselves experience God's transforming grace. And then God is working through us to bring that same grace to others. Yeah? So this next slide Someone, last time I spoke, someone in one of the feedback forums said it would have been helpful if I'd done a few more PowerPoints. <laughs> so this morning is death by PowerPoint. 
So you might have noticed that of these distinctives, the first two concerning Jesus and the Spirit are about our relationship with God. The, the third and fourth are about our relationship with each other. And the last two are about our relationship with the wider world. Sometimes we've pictured that as a triangle, kind of up, in, out, knowing, growing, going, whatever the case may be. The point is, it's, it's as we are actively engaging in all three directions that we build and sustain a church community that is truly transformative. Now, transformation is a big subject, and we only have a short time this morning to look at it. So I just want to make one main point. This is it. Transformation begins with us, but it doesn't end with us. The way that it works is that as we ourselves are being transformed, God does his transforming work through us. In fact, we don't set out with the aim of transforming anyone. Our aim is to, to demonstrate the good news of God's kingdom and where it's appropriate to, to proclaim and to tell people the good news of God's kingdom. Our aim is to show people the love and the kindness of God. If we will do that, then we can leave the transforming up to God, because actually he's much better at it than we are. The best way that we, can sh that we can show the world that God is who we say he is, is for us to become who he says we are. Yes? You agree with that? So I'd like to spend just a little bit of time this morning, well, it'll seem like a little bit of time to me, uh, just looking at how that comes about. How do we become the people that God says we are? And what I'd like to do is to ask five questions about transformation. They are what, who, how, why, and when. So buckle up, and we'll just drive straight in. So first of all, what? What do we mean by transformation? Here's a definition I came across that I really like. Transformation is replacing who you thought you'd be with who God thought you'd be. That's Bob Goff. Anyone heard of Bob Goff? Okay. For those of you who prefer your theology in the form of meat and two veg, here's a more comprehensive definition. Transformation is the work of the Holy Spirit to change us into the image of Jesus for the joy of God the Father in the context of Christian community as we walk along spiritual pathways. That's Derek Vreeland. Anybody, hands up if you've heard of Derek Vreeland. There you go. That there is an illustration why writing theological books is a bad career move. <laughs> this, <laughs> this last definition leads us into the why and the how question. So for now, let's just say this, that transformation means becoming like Jesus. It means a change in our thinking in our attitude, our affections, the intentions of our hearts. And that change is increasingly evidenced in our words and in our actions. That change might be dramatic and sudden, like the Apostle Paul and his Damascus Road experience, or it may be more gradual and progressive. What's important isn't the speed, but the direction of travel. So that's what, what about who? The next question. Who 
is transformation for? The answer is you and me. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. So transformation is for everyone who puts their trust in Jesus. The moment that you become a child of God through faith in Jesus, your standing changes radically. Your identity changes radically. You're part of a a new humanity whose head is Jesus Christ. You are totally in. You are loved and accepted by the Father just as much as Jesus is. You don't need to cover up your faults. You've no need to prove yourself. God delights in you. You're part of his family. He gives you his spirit to live within you and to cause you to grow into the family likeness. Yeah? So transformation isn't about getting you to the point where God can just about tolerate you. Transformation happens because he already loves you. So transformation doesn't come from knowing that you're bad. Anybody here know they're bad? Transformation doesn't come from knowing that you're bad, but from knowing that you are loved. Now, most of us know that, at least in our heads. But I think it might help you to know this morning that God doesn't just love you. He likes you. Yes? What do you think of that? God likes you. Some, you know, sometimes a parent might say, I love my child, but right now, <laughs> I really don't like them very much. If, if you're a parent, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. <laughs> There's a fair chance you might have felt that way at some time. I reckon, I reckon a lot of us think that's how God feels about us. You know that he loves you because it says that in the Bible, so we have to believe that, but you find it just about impossible to imagine that God would actually like you. Disappointed in me? Yes. Kind of disapproving? Yes. But like me? I don't think so. But what if God really does like you? What if he's always glad to be with you? You know, I'm convinced that everything changes when we believe that God is glad to be with us. When we believe that we are really wanted when it just it changes how we experience God's presence. It changes your life when you know that you really are wanted. Third question, how? How does transformation come about? This is a biggie. We have only a very short time. Just a few bullet points. First and foremost, transformation is a work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's not a DIY project. It's not self-improvement. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 to 18, and we who with unveiled faces all behold the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. It's like the Holy Spirit is, is shaping our hearts like a potter shaping a lump of clay. And, and the model 
that he's working to is Jesus Christ, who is the perfect image of God in human form. So transformation is a work of the Spirit, but we have a part in it. We are not passive. So for a start, we saw in that verse that that we just looked at that transformation comes about as we focus on who? Yeah, not on other people. You won't become more like Jesus by focusing on other people and comparing yourself with them. God doesn't want you to be a bad copy of somebody else. He delights in you being you, becoming the person that he created you to be. We could add to that that transformation comes as we learn to live by the Spirit, obeying the promptings of the Spirit, not just in the big things, but in all the little choices that we are making day by day. And and we could also say that transformation happens in community. God doesn't so much give us a map to follow. He gives us people to travel with. And of course, transformation happens because we're not under law, but under grace. Many of you will be familiar with that guilt-laden voice at the back of your minds saying, you need to spend more time reading your Bible. You need to pray more. You need to try harder. That's not what the voice of the Spirit sounds like. It's rather, rather what He does is lead us into, it leads us to walk in the pathways where we encounter God's transforming grace. Things like taking in His words, spending time communicating with Him in prayer, the pathways of grace. So transformation is first and foremost a work of the Spirit, but we have a part to play. I love to tell you that resistance is futile, but it's not. You can't transform yourself, but you can impede the work of the Spirit. That's the way that it works. If you want to find out more, there are some good books. There are some not-so-good books. Here's one that I would really like to recommend to you. It's a book called You Can Change by Tim Chester. It's been around for a few years now. It's good theology, but it's also very accessible, very practical. You can pick up a copy secondhand on Amazon for under two quid, or even better, you can get it eight pounds new from any good Christian bookstore. (laughs) It'll be money well spent. I really do recommend it. Next up, maybe a more important question than how is why. What is the point of transformation? Maybe you're thinking, well, if God loves me as I am, why go through all the hassle? Let's just enjoy myself, take it, you know, do what I like. Think of it this way. When I go through passport control to get into the country, and the official looks at my passport, and looks at me, and looks at my passport, and looks at me, and looks at the computer screen, and looks at his passport, and looks at me, there's only one thing that I'm thinking. Will he let me through? I'm not worried if he likes me. I'm not trying to form a relationship with him. I just want to know that he's going to let me in. And I think a lot of people are a bit like that with God. It's like the only question they're asking is, do I meet the criteria for him to let me in to heaven? You know, have I, have I said the right prayer? Have I been good enough? Whatever we think 
the criteria might be for him to let us in. But that's not how it works, is it? That God doesn't just want you to behave better. He wants you to become someone different. Someone not to become religious, but to become the real you, created in his image. And that can only happen in relationship with him. Now, he really wants that. He really wants that relationship with you. In fact, God so loved us that he sent his only son. Through Jesus, he has done everything necessary for that relationship with him to be established and to grow. And when you experience new birth as a child of God, then you begin to want that relationship as well. And you begin to change. Not in order to be loved, but because you know you already are loved. Not so you can get in, but because you already are in. You are totally in. However, in practice, there may be some other reasons why you might want to change something about yourself. I've just identified just three things that I've, I'm aware of, I've been aware of in my own life at times, and maybe you can identify with these as well. Maybe the first thing is, maybe you think if you change in a certain way, it will help you to get on the right side of God. You know, maybe he'll give you something that you really want. Now, we all know in our heads, that's not how it works, don't we? But the reality is it's so hardwired into us to think that we have to do something in order to make God favorably disposed towards us that we can find ourselves so easily slipping back into that mindset. Secondly, maybe you, maybe you want to change in order to fit in, to win approval, to be accepted. Within any group, there can be a pressure to conform to certain behaviors. And we all want to be accepted. Anybody here not want to be accepted? Because we all want to be accepted, we can find ourselves just adjusting our behavior, maybe doing certain things so that others will think well of us. That's not necessarily bad in itself. And, you know, the changes we make might actually be for the better. But it's not transformation. Because transformation is about a change that proceeds from the heart. It's change from the inside out. Another reason that sometimes I might want to change is to feel better about myself. I feel ashamed by something I'm doing, and I don't like to feel shameful. Anybody here enjoy feeling ashamed? No, we don't like to feel ashamed. So when I sin, what I feel is that I've let myself down. It's an offense against my self-esteem rather than an offense against God. So those are just three possible reasons why you might want to change something about yourself. There are probably many more. And listen, God is gracious, and he works with our less than perfect motives. But transformation that leads to life and joy and real change will come about as a work of the Spirit, with our hearts set on pleasing God 
rather than pleasing other people or pleasing ourselves. So let me come back to that very lengthy definition that we looked at earlier. Transformation is a work of the Holy Spirit to change us into the image of Jesus for the joy of God the Father. Something I think we often tend to overlook about God is that He is very joyful. You know, God is really into joy in a big way. C.S. Lewis once said that joy is the serious business of heaven. Joy is a big part of why God does things. And as the Holy Spirit shapes us into the likeness of Jesus, it brings joy to our Father. And here's the thing, it also brings joy to us. In John 15, Jesus is telling his disciples what will happen as a result of us remaining in him and taking on board his teaching. And here's what he says, I have told you this so that my joy will be in you and that your joy may be complete. See, here's the thing. If we live in the pursuit of our own happiness and our own satisfaction, then it will prove to be elusive. But if we live for the joy of God, then we'll find we get to share in that joy as well. So what is the point of transformation? I think it's for the joy of it. Transformation is for the joy of being with the God who has always wanted to be with us. And that's what the story of the Bible is about from beginning to end. The God who wants to be with us and who wants us to share in his joy, the joy of being in his presence. Final question, when? The answer, now. 2 Corinthians 6.2, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of God's salvation. I don't know about you, but I have a tendency to put change off. I think, well, I'll start this next week, after Easter, next year, whatever. Now is the time of God's favor. I wonder, is there something about yourself that you would like to change? Not something about your spouse, or your kids, or your boss, but something about you, some habit or disposition that you know is not bringing joy to God, and it's certainly not bringing joy to the people around you, and you think, you know, I'd really love to change in that way. Transformation you know, involves putting off old ways and putting on new ways. If so, then now is the day to make a start. Now, I'm not going to ask anyone to come forward this morning and to share anything, but why not just in your own mind, take a moment and bring to God that thing about yourself that you want to change. Name it. Call it what it is. You won't have to think too hard. You won't need a dictionary. Just call it what it is. Take a moment. Are you there? Now, look at this verse of Scripture again behind us and apply it to your life today. Now is the time of God's favor. 
His grace is available when? Today. Now. You know, they say it takes around 40 days to change a habit. So why wait for Lent? Lent's another week or so away yet, isn't it? Start today. Now is the day of salvation. Jesus has broken the power of sin and put his spirit within us. So what? go home. and Not now. But go home <laughs> after the meeting and just make a plan. What are you going to do differently between now and Easter? And then, you know, maybe that equip course, one of those equip courses would be a way in which you can get the help that you need to make some changes in your life. But whatever it is, make a plan about what you're going to do differently in order to connect with the life-changing work of the Spirit between now and Easter. Maybe the first step is to ask someone for help. You know, there's absolutely no shame in doing that. The only one who, keep, who wants to keep you bound up in shame is the devil. Transformation is something we are to experience now and also not yet. Praise God that sin no longer defines who we are, but the reality is that change is a lifetime process, isn't it? And there are going to be many stumbles along the way. So we don't expect perfection in this life. In fact, if you're already perfect, you don't belong in this church because you're just going to show the rest of us up. So we are looking for progress rather than perfection. Like Paul says, we keep pressing on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of us. But only when Jesus returns will transformation be complete. And that is really something to look forward to. Uh, 1 John 3 verse 2 says, Beloved, now we are children of God. What we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we will see him as he is. You know, there is a day coming when we will look upon Jesus with unsinning eye, with our hearts enraptured in his presence, our transformation complete. And that is a day that all creation is waiting for. It, re it really is, because our transformation means the transformation of the world. The world is in, like in you know, the throes of childbirth, waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. Because on that day, not just us, but the whole of creation will be transformed. Let's have the band back up and let me just, let me just summarize what we're looking at this morning. Transformation begins with us, but it doesn't end with us. It ends in a new heaven and a new earth. It ends in the healing of the nations. It ends in joy unspeakable and full of glory. It ends in what God intended all along. Now 
The dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. That is the, the glorious work of transformation, and we have the joy and the privilege of bringing a foretaste of that into our community and into the nations as we wait for that day to come. Would you like to stand and let's praise God and let's worship him together. Amen.